Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and I'm talking with the chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, former congressman of the 2nd Congressional District of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. Steve, how are you? Doing great. We are just getting used to having everyone back here in New Mexico from Amarillo. Just an exciting weekend. This show is going to be a great show. In the second segment, we're going to talk to Mark Moores. He is running strong in that race for CD1. More and more support coming his way, getting help from a lot of directions. Then in our third segment, you're going to hear some of the non-traditional speakers that we had in Amarillo. The event was basically Friday night was Christy Noem. Saturday, we started with welcomes from the mayor of Amarillo, the congressman from Amarillo. Some of the business people were really helping out. Then we went straight into our work sessions. Those work sessions were just panels that were regular everyday citizens, Republicans in New Mexico who are fighting this battle or working on that issue. We'll talk about that more in the third segment. But the main keynote speakers, Christy Noem on Friday night was just stunning. Then Saturday at noon, we had John Rock Robinson, high-tech guy, a filmmaker, he really lit the audience up with his anecdotes about Clint Eastwood and the other actors. And then on Saturday night, of course, Jim Jordan had it. So most people are asking how the event went. I usually measure events and their success by the participation. So we had, number one, about 350 people show up from New Mexico. Then we had locals from Texas just wanted to see what we're doing. So they paid the fee, came, watched us, and participated. So of our 350 people that started that early morning Saturday, I would guess that we still had 330 of them by four o'clock that afternoon. And then they all showed up to hear Jim Jordan. But the real telling factor was on Sunday morning, we had a worship service that started about eight o'clock. And I think that we had a full 340 out of 350 people there, very few empty seats. And so when you get people who will come on a Saturday afternoon after being there all day, and when they'll come on Sunday morning rather than getting started on the road back home or sleeping in, I will tell you that that gives you a sense of the excitement that was being generated there. And so that's what I answer to people. Now, the most common thing that we heard from people was that, oh, this is the new Republican Party, and that's one of the names that we want. But Operation Freedom, Positive Change for New Mexico is going to live way beyond Amarillo. It's being imported right back into New Mexico. We just had a meeting with the county chairs that uh, were maybe not able to meet and go to Amarillo. They have a sense of purpose and a sense of, of movement that we've never seen before. So all in all, that was very positive. What specifically did Christy have to say? Well, she, of course, reiterated how that she never closed a business down. She never named essential businesses. She never made a mask mandate. She never put her kids out of school. And she never stopped the sports teams from participating. So what she basically did is what responsible people do. She looked at the science. They brought in worldwide experts. This COVID had been, variants of it have been seen throughout a lot of the world. And they assessed what the risks were, who were greatest at risk. And then they told the people, here are the people who are most at risk. Here are the ones who don't have as great a risk. And the businesses, if you're spreading COVID, people are not going to come back in and visit with you. So be careful in your businesses. And then they let people make their choices and their decisions. She mentioned that the economy in South Dakota is booming, even to a point that it's beginning to unsettle a lot of the long-term residents. So many people, thousands of people, 
and thousands of businesses moving there for freedom and for the opportunity that she gives them. Meanwhile, the unemployment rate in her state has dropped less than 3%. It's, I think, 2.8%. That contrasts with New Mexico, which is above 8%. I think we're second highest in the nation. So you can see that uh, the different policies have way different outcomes in people's lives. Their infection rate is not significantly different from ours, maybe even less at times. So it looks like New Mexico had great penalties for the way we live. We lost a lot of kids through suicide, a lost school year for our kids. And in South Dakota, things have been moving normally for the entire year. But Derek, I think the thing she said that uh, struck me the most in one of the private Q&A sessions that we had, someone asked if she ever dreamed about going into politics. And she said, no, her father was killed. He was, I think, 49 years old when he died in an unfortunate accident. She was 22 and in college. She had to quit school, come home, and take over the farm. They were farming 10,000 acres, and the day he died, he had signed a contract for another 2,500. So she had to take over farming 12,500 acres. They had a big cattle operation. She said, but what happened is that the IRS sent them a tax bill that all estates find, and uh, she said they were land rich but cash poor. They almost lost the entire thing to the IRS. That's when she got interested in politics. But the statement she made was that people who grow up thinking they ought to run for public office, she said, I'm not so sure they should. She said it ought to be us people who get out and, and see the problems in life rather than people who have the ambition to be in public life. And so I thought that was one of the telling things and one of the reasons that I consider her one of my heroes. And that's kind of why you got into it. Yes, that's exactly right. I never dreamed of going to Washington. It was not in my game plan. In fact, I was happy being in Hobbs, New Mexico. I tell people it feels like God picked me up by the collar and pitched me up into Washington. <laughs> I, of course, said if I go, then I'll do my best. But it was not a long-term plan for me either. How about Jim Jordan? What did he have to say in Amarillo about freedom in America? He talked a, a lot about the attacks on freedom that Nancy Pelosi is orchestrating between the Senate and the House Democrats and Joe Biden as president. He said that we're under total assault. I will tell you that people love him. He has been fighting Fauci. He was fighting Muir in that whole Muir investigation. He fights for the truth. And the reason that the Freedom Caucus formed was to fight Republican leadership. They were always saying that we're going to vote conservative, but then they'd go cut a deal with the Democrats. They'd use about 30 or 40 Republicans, and then the rest of the votes to pass a bill would be Democrats. So maybe 200 Democrats voting for it, 20 or 30 Republicans. And Republicans finally revolted and said, that's not what we came here for. And so Freedom Caucus was formed around Jim Jordan and that concept of liberty, the Constitution, and fighting for the everyday man and woman. I want to talk for a moment about the election in CD1. And Mark Morris has got a lot of momentum right now, but you hear that the Democrats are coming out to vote three to one over Republicans. But that does not mean that the Democrats are voting for the Democrat candidate. So I want people to understand, you still need to go vote. Don't think because you're hearing all this news about Democrats are outvoting us. You don't know who they're voting for. They're just coming out to vote. There are more Democrats in New Mexico than Republicans, so that's not unusual. 
Yes, it's not unusual. And always about 25 to 30 percent of the Democrats voted for me. That's how I was able to win at 60 percent in a 34 percent Republican district. And so just keep your hope up, keep your faith up and go vote. We're going to be pushing that message for the last 10 days of the campaign. But again, I think this is a seat that we can win if we will show up and vote. I will be talking with Mark Moores in our next segment. I hope you'll stay with us on Inside New Mexico. On behalf of the New Mexico Department of Health, take COVID-19 precautions. Wash your hands frequently for 20 seconds. Don't touch your face. Use a tissue or your elbow to catch your sneeze or cough. Avoid large gatherings and close contact with sick people, especially if you are elderly or high risk. If you have a cough, fever, or shortness of breath, stay home from work or school. Do not go to the ER or doctor's office without first calling the coronavirus hotline. And avoid all unnecessary out-of-state travel. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. I'd like to introduce you to Mark Moores. He is currently our state senator in District 21. That would be up in the Northeast Heights area of Albuquerque. Mark is the Republican candidate for Congressional District 1 in New Mexico. That is the seat that Deb Holland had until she was chosen to be Interior Secretary by President Biden. I'm going to play you an interview I did with Mark Moores last week. Breitbart just released an article today doing an analysis of the race, and it says when Republicans vote, we will win this race because it will be a lower voter turnout race. So that means us as conservatives have the ability to really emphasize our voting power and be able to take this race since no one's excited about my opponent. So we're really excited, and we're talking about common sense things. The crime rate in Albuquerque and central New Mexico is through the roof, and that's not a partisan issue. Small business owners and families and parents are so concerned with this record number of homicides that is happening here in Bernalillo County with over 50, 50 murders this year alone, which is about 75% more than any other time, including record years of homicides. And it's just out of control. And families and business owners are just scared because how can we have economic development if businesses can't safely open? How can uh, we have kids safe at school when all this crime is going on and we have shootouts happening in the streets? And the radical agenda of my opponent, Melanie Stansberry, who wants to defund the police and support just radical pieces of legislation like the BREATHE Act. And I encourage everyone to go on breatheact.org and see how incredibly radical her statement when she said Congress must pass the BREATHE Act is when you actually look through that piece of legislation, it encompasses so much of a very radical agenda, including dismantling federal law enforcement agencies like the DEA, ICE, Border Patrol. Believe it or not, it calls for closing federal prisons within 10 years. Now, there's a lot of bad people in federal prison right now, and that piece of legislation calls for releasing all of them onto the streets in 10 years. You're talking about people like El Chapo and the Unabomber and the Oklahoma City bomber and the Boston bomber. People like that, even the co-founder of Al-Qaeda is in federal prison right now. Yeah, so it's is Charles Manson. How radical. So, yeah, so, uh, so, so it's such a radical proposal. When she was in graduate school in the Ivy League at Cornell, she called America a colonial imperial empire. And I think that just shows you, in a nutshell, what she thinks of America. And so that's out of step with New Mexico values. Democrats, Republicans, independents, we love America. We're a proud state. We're a proud country, very patriotic. We have a proud service in the military. She's calling for a 10% reduction in military spending. 
And that's in a state that we have three Air Force bases, two national laboratories, and two Army installations with White Sands and then the northern part of Fort Bliss down south. This is a heartbeat of New Mexico, our service to our nation, and also our economy is, is such an important, vital part of our economy. And she wants to eliminate 10% right off the top. That is just radical. It's bad for New Mexico. It's bad for America. And it's bad for the world. It's such a violent, dangerous world that we're currently living in with some of the threats that we're facing around the world. And for her to just say we're going to eliminate 10% of military spending off the bat, it just is bad for New Mexico and the nation and the world. I'm sure the Chinese love hearing that when she says that, but she did do something that surprised me, talking about losing the jobs on the reservations when the uh, power plants are closing. And she says, well, they can shear their sheep and make wool. I got to tell you, Mark, I have a friend who lives on the res who's a dental hygienist. He wouldn't know any more about making wool than you or I. I I'm surprised she would say something like that. And she's not, she's not from, you know, she went to high school here, but she, she's not a New Mexican. Her family's just moved here recently. She doesn't understand our rich history and our culture. My family's been in northern New Mexico since the 1600s, if not much longer, with the intermarrying with local population. So it's something that we're very proud of, that rich Hispanic and Native American heritage in the state. And it just shows that arrogance of an East Coast elitist that she thinks that these great high-paying union jobs at the coal mine up there in Shiprock can just be replaced and that these Native Americans can just go back to the traditional way of life. And I just think that is so un-American. It's just so degrading to them. Here they have an opportunity to have a great career, great opportunity to provide their family. And she's telling them that, well, they can just go back and sell their wool and sell their art. It's just insulting that Native Americans can't have the same opportunities that other Americans have in her eyes, and that they're just pigeonholed as these quaint art sellers. And I think that should show some of the discrimination that she has, because she just doesn't understand the rich New Mexico history and culture here in the state. That is something that we're all so proud of. I definitely, because my family's been here for hundreds of years, I'm very proud of of our history and culture, and I would never say something like that, tell, telling a Native American Union coal worker that they have to go sell artwork to uh, make their ends meet. Now, we've talked about Melanie and what she might do. Let's talk about what Mark Moores is going to do. Let's say you win. What would you like to see happen to fight crime in CD1? Well, first off, we don't defund the law enforcement, and we don't close down the Border Patrol. We need to fully fund all the federal programs and grants that come into New Mexico and help us to hire cops and fund the task force we have, the drug task force, the terrorist task force, and all those task force that Melanie supports eliminating. We need to actually fund those. New Mexico eliminated, I fought against it, the death penalty for someone who kills a cop. I think that was atrocious when New Mexico did that. And it put a target on law enforcement officers. And I think we need to make a federal penalty for individuals who would actually target law enforcement officers, either make it a life sentence or even a death penalty for and help protect our cops and have them be supported. You know, and also one of the things that's driving the crime rate here is the sanctuary policies of Bernalillo County and Albuquerque. And that is driving the crime because the sister cities and states in the region just don't have that. And so it encourages folks who are going to be criminals. In fact, uh, under the BREATHE Act, it takes away the federal penalty for entering the country illegally and also calls, believe it or not, Melanie Stansberry's BREATHE Act says that you cannot deport any illegal immigrants, even those who commit crimes. And so I think we need to make sure ICE is detaining aliens who are unlawfully in the U.S. and charged with a crime and that they 
are deported and sent back. And also, I think that the cities and counties that are holding the sanctuary policies, they need to be held liable. You know, if you're a victim of a crime, a murder or property crime, and your city is a sanctuary city, I think the city should be held liable and that the citizens should be able to sue that city for reparations for what that policy has caused them. Let's say, come June 1st, Mark Moores is our next representative in Congress for CD1. You're going to be in the minority party. You're going to have to work with a whole bunch of other people, including Democrats. Are you prepared to work across the aisle? First off, when we win the seat, it's going to take the margin in Washington, D.C. at the House of Representatives down to two votes difference. It's the narrowest difference in Republican-Democrat margin in modern history. And so that's going to be critical because it is going to force the radicals on the Democrat side not to be able to have their agenda and just cram it through. And that's what's really going to be helpful because it's going to allow the moderates in their caucus then to work uh, across the aisle and work on legislation. And I do have a strong history of that as a state senator in Santa Fe. I am a strong conservative. I've always stood by conservative values. But I'd also know that much, if not the vast majority, of government isn't partisan. You have to be able to work together to build roads and create safe communities and do the things that government can do. And you have to work across the aisle. And I've done that in Santa Fe. I will continue to do that in Washington while sticking to my conservative values. I have a strong track record of being able to get things done in Santa Fe despite being in the minority because I'm willing to work with other people who have other views in the legislature to get things done that we agree and have common focus on. I think it goes back to my sports background where you you fight hard, but after the game you shake hands because you need to work together after that. Absolutely. Mark Moores, Republican candidate for CD1 in New Mexico. Thank you. Steve Pierce and I will return in just a moment. We'll hear from some of the folks that spoke at Operation Freedom in Amarillo on Inside New Mexico. Attention, New Mexico veterans. If you were honorably discharged from the U.S. Armed Forces, you've earned state and federal benefits, and the New Mexico Department of Veteran Services is standing by to assist you. State benefits include a veteran's property tax exemption, education and training, and transportation services. We can also assist with claims for federal VA benefits. The state of New Mexico and this radio station thank you for your service. More information at nmveterans.org or 1-866-433-8387. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. I am talking with the chairman of our Republican Party, Steve Pierce. Well, Derek, that last segment with Mark Morris was just absolutely incredible. That's the reason we need to elect him. It's one of the comments that Christy Noem says, if you wonder why we need Republicans in Congress, just look at where the country is today under the progressives. And that gives you the full answer. Melanie Stansbury is a strong progressive. People have said that she would be right in with AOC and the squad if we were to elect her. I think that even Democrats are going to vote for Mark Moores, and so I think he'll be elected. But we promised in the first segment that we're going to review some of the speakers and listen to some of those speakers that we had at Amarillo that really caused the excitement. About 30 or 40 of our presenters were just everyday people out doing things in significant ways. So the first person I want you to hear is a 16-year-old. She goes around the country training younger voters about the government and how it works. So listen as Olivia Bovis. 16 comes on the program and talks about her role as a teen teacher. 
My name is Libby Bova. I'm 16 years old and I've had the pleasure of getting to serve as a staffer with Team Pact Leadership Schools. Team Pact is a leadership school that teaches students about how to engage in their culture and teach them about the political process all through a Christian worldview. And so we teach them all about the three branches of government. So for first timers, we teach them about the executive, legislative, and judicial experiences and we teach them about it um, through field experiences and sometimes we're on the Capitol and we get to take them to those places and show them all the branches of government and how they work together. We take them through the process of how a bill becomes a law with Team Pack mock legislature. We walk them through, you know, how it goes through committee, then it goes through the House and through the Senate and they get to discuss their own bills and engage and then vote on the bills. For people who have been before, they go through what's called an alumni track and that's where they talk about more in-depth issues such as judicial review or even freedom of speech. I've had the pleasure of getting to serve all around the country at different capitals and part of what makes Team Pack so, so exciting is it's a bunch of like-minded individuals and they're focused on the same thing. They want to learn. They're excited about the political process. They're excited about learning about it through a Christian worldview. Sometimes, you know, whenever we're on the Capitol, we actually get to talk to legislators. We get to talk to governors. We get to talk to maybe our own representatives, sit on the floor of the House of Representatives and get to see it in action. And that's one of the parts that makes Team Pack so, so exciting is that it's so, so hands-on. A lot of the times whenever I tell people that I'm going across the country leading these events, they think that it's wild that I'm a 16 year old and I have all this capacity and that this ministry is placing literally the leaders that are in control of all of this are all teenagers. And a lot of people think, you know, why? Why do they allow young people to be in charge? And it's because they believe in the capacity of young people. And we believe when it talks about in First Timothy, it talks about not letting anybody look down on you because you're young, but setting an example in faith, love and purity. And that's what we really stand on is how Young people have influence and they have the capacity to lead. And when I tell people that I'm 16, it's always a shock. It's even a gasp sometimes, but it's just so empowering for other people because then they can realize that they're young, but they have influence and they have a say and their, their age does not determine their influence and, and the capacity that they're able to lead. Also from up in the Shiprock area, we have Pastor So. He's a Navajo and is a minister on the Navajo reservation a strong, godly man, and someone that I think that you're going to really want to hear. He talked about for most of his life, he just felt like that especially pastors shouldn't be involved in politics. But then when Trump began to talk about the swamp and the way the swamp was affecting everyone's life, he said that caught his attention. And he began to look and realize that, wait, they're coming after him as a minister. And so he began to get involved. So listen as Pastor Tso from Shiprock Speaks. Pastor Robert So and I have a ministry in Shiprock, New Mexico, and we have been here since 1996. We believe by faith God has moved mightily on the Navajo Nation and also in the state of New Mexico. The Democratic Party has made a very big influence over the nation, and, and I could see through the years, of course, I couldn't see it before. We were so indoctrinated to keep politics away from the pulpit and away from the people to where there were many years I would say vote whoever you want to vote for uh, that biblical principles and that's it and that's as far as I go the enemy seemed to got the foothold into the administration he's just blowing it wide open basically it's time for the church to arise because the church is one of the restraining forces on how the nation is going to go right now I believe because of the restraints that have been put on the churches separation of church and state that had been so indoctrinated to a lot of pastors, most of us, that now I think uh, we have actually woke up and smelled the coffee, as you can say. And it gets to the point where God challenges the church leaders. And it says, if the nation seems to be regressing, 
and allowing no restraints from the enemy to do whatever he wants to do, which he's doing, then the church is going to have to rise up and do something. You guys need to start praying about getting involved and running for political offices in the state of New Mexico, in your state, because you're the ones that are going to need to make a difference in, in the political arena within the state of New Mexico and the United States. You're the ones that have to make the difference. You've got to run and you got to be part of it. you got to be state representatives. you got to be congressmen. you got to run for mayor. you got to run for Senate. you got to be a voice. The approach in Amarillo was that if you're dissatisfied with what you're seeing in part of your life, then do something about it. For instance, in education, if you're dissatisfied with the education, run for the school board. Jewel Padrell talked about being a black conservative right now, and I will tell you that he captured the attention of everyone. So listen, as Jewel Padrell, retired IBM salesman after I think 30 years with IBM, he spoke to us and captivated the audience. So listen as Jewel speaks. Hi, my name is Jewel Padrell. I live in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. I have been there for the last about 30 years, and I am currently uh, retired and involved in two endeavors. One is finishing up my degree, and second is trying to get a small business off the ground. I am a conservative. Uh, Being a conservative in New Mexico, specifically a black conservative, it has tendencies to present certain challenges, but those challenges are mostly superficial, and I enjoy and appreciate what the Republican Party and as far as conservatives stand for. I think there's a misconception among the general public that when you look at most of the minorities, that the most minorities are really liberal, but that's, I found that that's not the case. When you look at the Hispanic community, when you look at the black community, you look at the Asian community, and what you see are the conservative values that the Republican Party basically stands for. And I think one of the major issues has been the perception of what the Republican Party stands for. And when I say perception, I go back to to my old sales days and say perception is reality. So when you look at at the Mexican community, you look at the black community, you look at the Asian community, they perceive the Republican Party as the party of those individuals who are privileged, but they don't realize that the conservative values that those minorities attain to are the same conservative values that the Republican Party is basically established on. I hope that after hearing our program today, you might be interested in finding out more about the Republican Party of New Mexico. You can do that several ways. First, there's a website at www.gopnm.org. Party has a Facebook page and a Twitter account. The handle is at New Mexico GOP. If you'd like to talk to somebody in person, call Republican Party headquarters in Albuquerque at 505-298-3662. That's 505-298-3662. For Steve Pierce, I'm Derek Underhill. We'll look forward to meeting with you again next week right here on Inside New Mexico.